Hi, it's Kanika, and I'm back with a brand new season of That's Total Mom Sense, where I interview parenting experts, world-renowned thought leaders, best-selling authors, and trailblazing entrepreneurs on their incredible life stories and mom sense experiences. Hi, I'm Gabby Bernstein, and you're listening to me on That's Total Mom Sense. It's me, Bobby Brown, on Total Mom Sense. Can't wait to share my story. Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa, and you're listening to me on That's Total Mom Sense. Pandemic or not, these episodes will inspire you to make every single day count. Episodes release on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Join my tribe and subscribe wherever you listen so you never miss an episode. As moms, we often wonder, am I doing enough for my kids? I'm here to tell you, you are super mama. That's because we have an undeniable superpower, our intuition, and it never steers us wrong. I call it our mom sense. Hi, I'm Kanika Chetta Gupta, and I'm the host of That's Total Mom Sense. I'm a journalist, entrepreneur, and mom of three, twins plus one. Now, if I had a dollar every time I heard, gee, you have your hands full. (laughs) On my podcast, I interview influential moms from various industries and cover topics that all first-time parents grapple with, like getting your baby to sleep, to screen time allowance, your new normal in your marriage, and how to dedicate time to yourself. Learn and laugh along with That's Total Mom Sense. Avni Patel is the Chief Operating Officer at Essence. In this role, she leads the technology, finance, and human resources functions. A veteran of the technology and business consulting industry, her career spans product launch, management operations, and consulting across Fortune 500 companies and startups. She intends on fulfilling Essence's mission of serving Black women deeply by a continued focus on the company's digital landscape and business growth. Patel previously led technology at Sundial Brands Unilever, as well as professional services at Verizon Totality Corp. Avni is also a PMP, a project management professional, and a Six Sigma black belt. She recently completed the Women in Leadership program at Oxford University. A true Jersey girl at heart, Avni was born and raised in Saraville, New Jersey, and went on to attend Rutgers University. Avni is an award-winning Indian folk dance choreographer and former television host for a South Asian network. Coming from a large family, Patel learned to be organized and vocal from a young age. These are the skills that became the greatest asset to the launch of her career. She continues to lean on these skills and values inherited from her Gujarati family to help guide her both personally and professionally. When she's not strategizing for Essence, Avni travels the world with her children, Lucas, who's 15, and Lara, 14, with the hope that they will one day become model global citizens. Avni, thank you so much for joining me on That Total Mom Sense. I'm so glad to be here. So our common friend, Zavina Basin, put us in touch. And when we connected, we realized there's not many degrees of separation because I went to BU undergrad with your brother, Akash. So it's such a small world. I love that all of us brown people are connected. We certainly are. So you are an Indian American and you grew up in New Jersey, which is quite frankly, a little India, of course. So what was it like growing up for you? Well, when I grew up, in Saraville, New Jersey. Shout out to Saraville, Bon Jovi's hometown. 
I grew up in several, what, 40 years, 40 plus years ago, there were maybe a handful, if you were lucky, of brown slash black families in the town or in the neighboring towns. I was lucky enough to have a very large family on my dad's side. And the family continues to grow where, you know, my dad sponsored many relatives from be it Kenya, England, India through the years. And they have settled in New Jersey or within the United States and they have their own children. Their children now have children. So (laughs) we are a strong force as New Jersey Patels who somehow lived in Cerville at some point. But going back to just, you know, growing up in New Jersey in the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, it was definitely different. I think I spent most of my elementary and middle school years trying to fit in. By high school, I kind of gave up and embraced my Indian roots, doing everything from, you know, the cultural folk dancing. I used to tour the country for competitions with that. I have been an award-winning choreographer I've been a very prominent member and leader in the community through Indian Cultural Association of Central Jersey. Shout out to ICAFCJ and all my friends there and have even worked for a brief period of time at TV Asia. So I, you know, I've kind of been having my like, you know, one foot in each canoe going down the river, trying to be that Jersey girl and trying to embrace my Indian heritage and roots simultaneously. But I think the best part about growing up in New Jersey and how things have just transpired for me has been the family support system. I have so many cousins and aunts and uncles that I can depend on and call at the drop of a hat for anything. I realize how blessed I am to have that. And you were just a very involved and protective older sister to Akash and your sister, Arthi. Tell us about what that dynamic with your siblings was like. Oh, they, they think I'm bossy, even to this day. They, they, <laughs> they, they likely say she's so bossy and she's a bit, what does Arthi say, weird? Okay. <laughs> you know, um, she makes her own jokes. She laughs at them. She says the most inappropriate things, but... I think they know and I hope they know. And if they don't, they know now, but I have got their back come rain or shine or sleet, whatever it is, I've got their back. And as we got older, you know, Akash is funny because my brother, he says that I became more of his mom because, you know, him being the youngest, me being the oldest, I think my parents have probably given up by then. <laughs> right. it, was, it was time to discipline him or do something for him. It was like, oh, we've already done this twice before. Do we have to do it again? <laughs> I hear so, you. So I remember a lot of times it was me, you know, helping him with the science project and advising him on what to wear, you know, what to say to his friends or those kinds of things. Obviously that hasn't happened in at least two or three decades. But those are wonderful memories of growing up. And same thing goes with Arthi, my sister. We have, we're about four years apart. And funny story about Arthi is I met my best friend, my best friend in the whole wide world, Shermie, because we were playing Red Rover at Garba. So Garba is like this nine day festival where all like the members of the Indian community would get together and have a dance festival, basically. Arthi and I were playing Red Rover and some girl ran into my, my younger sister and broke her bangles. You know, this was 
ready to take the earrings off and fight kind of situation. And it so happened that the person I was going to fight was my now best friend. And she's been my best friend since I was eight. It was Shermie. <laughs> That's so sweet. Oh my gosh. Like you said, you have their back, like yeah. from that age. <laughs> yeah. But now, I mean, I include, you know, my three best friends in the mix too, of having their back the same way as I do for my siblings. Yes. Yes. So can you now give us some highlights of your career starting with college? Sure. So, you know, coming out of school, you really don't know what you want to do or where you end up. I worked in PR briefly and then, you know, Y2K was rolling around and now people are going to start doing math and try to figure out how old I am, but don't do that. So Y2K rolled around and tech was a big thing. I've always been interested in technology and just systems and integration. I decided to, on a fluke, decided to take a coding class and, you know, eventually finished that and somehow wound up as a tech writer at a major telco. And my career just evolved from there. I went from tech writer to project manager to, you know, my next, my next role at a startup to leading professional services. The startup got bought by another major telco and I led professional services there for many, many years. I worked as an executive consulting partner with many Fortune 500 companies and their C-levels. And, you know, I had the airline and retail verticals. I mean, what girl doesn't like shopping and travel, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So I had a lot of fun with that. And I think 15 years, almost 15 years in, kids are a little bit older. Those roles really helped me be able to focus on being a mom and having somewhat of a career. As the kids were getting a little older, I thought it was time for something a little bit more challenging. So I left the telco and went to a consumer packaged goods company, which is an absolute career change. Although I did have technology responsibilities, I was also responsible for program management for manufacturing. And I learned quickly on the job. I was given opportunity. And I think the thing about my career or my story is... I've been lucky enough or blessed enough to be given the opportunity, but I've been a risk taker where I've tried, I've embraced the opportunities. You know, I've always evaluated them, but I've, even the ones that seemed a little risky, I, I wanted to jump in and try it. And, you know, it was always like, if it doesn't work, we'll figure something else out, but I don't want to have any regrets. And that stems from the fact where I had a huge opportunity to lead an overseas division at one of the telecommunications companies I was with. And it's so funny. I know the story so vividly at that time. I, you know, I sat down with my husband. I said, look there, they asked me if I'd be interested in going to Australia. And I said, of course I would, because everything would be covered. I'd be there, you know, everything for three years. I'd have this amazing spot. And he says, okay, let's talk about it over the weekend and sit down and, you know, decide what we really want to do. That Sunday of Fourth of July weekend, I found out I was pregnant with my first child. Oh my goodness! Wow! And you know, once you tell the grandparents to be, it wasn't even a conversation. You know, right. you, you can't move. You're, yeah, you're, yeah, definitely not that how, way. How would how would you have a baby in another country? How, who would help you? How, how yeah. like, <laughs> what, what would you do? Exactly. Okay. And it's not like it would happen three years from now. It would happen within the next seven to eight months. Like, okay, right. right. We, I have to reevaluate this situation and turn down this opportunity. 
not to say like, you know, not to say I regret having the kids or anything of that, but it was the timing. Right. And I regret having to say no because of timing. So because of that, whenever any opportunity came my way, or even to this day comes my way, I always, always sit down and evaluate it. I, I never say yes or no immediately. Oh my gosh. I love that. So I feel like, you know, when you get the news that you're going to be a mom is definitely one definitive turning point in your life. But did you have any others that kind of steered you on the path that you are today? I think there have been many. And the many I say is as a minority woman, you know, in the corporate world, starting from bottom up, it was very eye-opening to see other women or even other women like me in the roles that they were in, what they were doing, the success that they had achieved. Along with that, what what people, their colleagues, whether and you know, even their male colleagues were saying about them behind their back. When you are new, right, to corporate the corporate world, you kind of tend to keep your mouth shut a little bit and watch and learn. Those times people tend to forget that you're in the room. So things are said. And right. you, you, you take them back and you evaluate what those, you know, what those were and if they were really meant for the person mm-hmm. or the quality of the job that they were doing. But I can say I've been influenced. I've been lucky, blessed once more to be influenced by many, many strong women that I have worked with and I continue to work with. When I did work for TV Asia, which I don't know if your listeners would know, but it's a, it's a prominent South East Asian, I don't know if it's satellite is the appropriate word, but back then it was satellite-based network. And, you know, we used to put on Bollywood songs, movies, have the news, uh, maybe some Indian language-based TV serials, as we call them. And they were two very, very strong women that worked there. One was the CFO of the company. And if you ask me what her name was, I wouldn't even remember her last name. I know her first name was Deepika. It was the first time I had seen an Indian woman in a true leadership role firsthand. Then there was a TV host who was there. Her name was Rajshri, and she was just a strong personality. She would figure out how to get what she wanted, and she was so sweet about it. She was good. So I, I, I learned a lot from her as well. And throughout my career, you know, I kind of started picking up on that and learning from not just the women, but the men too, but more so the women because... I wanted to see how they were balancing life, right? Mm -hmm. I I knew that the wife, mom, daughter roles are always there for women. As much as we say we'd like to have a balance between the two, and that is ideal. But if anybody has figured it out, please call me because I need to learn (laughs) that too. But just to see how they are navigating, of course, nothing can teach you that. You learn that by watching and seeing and holding those memories with you. The president of the travel PR sector that I worked for when I worked in PR, she was a woman. She had two young children at the time. I remember her husband would bring them in and he was the one responsible for them going to school, coming back from school, giving them the snack, doing their homework. And that was also new. I mean, back then, right, in what, the late 90s? Right. That was a new thing, you know, and I had never seen that before. And that too, she was a a woman of color and that was something new. So that was something I watched, right? I watched closely and I like the fact that I'm repeating it 20 years later. Yes. It made an impact on you. It made an impact. 
And, you know, throughout my career, that's happened. And more so at Essence, right, bringing us to where we are, I am today. I learn something new every day from the women I work with, right? We're, we're a women-led organization focused on Black women, serving Black women deeply. So everything we do is about her. And everybody's input is so unique. And watching that is, is phenomenal. Can you tell us about what you're focusing on as the COO of Essence? I mean, as a company, right, we are always, we're a 51-year-old brand. We had our 50th birthday during the pandemic. So mm-hmm. I've heard somewhere that if you had your birthday during the pandemic, it doesn't count and you can just, you know, <laughs> pretend. So I'm still celebrating Essence. Yes. <laughs> I feel that we're building the next foundation block, right? The first foundation block was built 50 years ago and it lasted us 50 years. Through those 50 years, a lot has changed, right? We've had the dot-com boom. We have a whole digital experience that didn't exist 50 years ago. We've built on the Essence Festival of Culture, known as Essence Fest, which I'm sure you've heard about. So the focus is how do we keep the brand for the next 500 years, right? We've, we've gotten through the first 50. So what is the next step for the next 50 and ongoing? What is the legacy we are leaving behind? And I think from an executive leadership perspective, you know, there's the team. We have this goal in common is we need to leave a legacy or something behind that the person coming in next can use to build, put the next brick on top of and keep right. going. Right. No, I think that's so kind of integral for media companies to be mindful of. How mm-hmm. has the company evolved? Because, you know, back in the day, it was a very vibrant magazine, a glossy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. now, you know, it's had to pivot and mm-hmm. be more of an online destination. And then it went back to having to iterate again to virtual events, you know, yeah. in this COVID world that we're living in. So can you tell us about that evolution? Yeah. So I think not only is it an evolution, but in the past two years, I would call it an adaptation to our environment. We learned a lot about our business through COVID and the pandemic. Obviously, you know, any event-based company, even if you are a wedding planner or, you know, a florist, any, all of those companies, have, all of those businesses have been impacted. I think being a media company, Essence was intuitive enough to be able to pivot to the virtual space and still try to bring that experience to our audience. Moving forward for 2022, we are all hoping and praying for a live festival. We cannot wait. We have those outfits planned. We want to meet our friends. We want to listen to live music, eat the food from New Orleans, which we all love. Can't wait for those oysters again. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we we have to make sure that we're keeping the health and safety of everyone, our staff, our our audience, the people of New Orleans, we're keeping all of that in mind as we plan for next year. So CEO Carolyn Wanga is a force. And just to give you all some background, so she is the CEO of Essence, number one media technology and commerce company dedicated to Black women and communities, as we know. But she previously worked in the nonprofit sector and most recently served as the chief diversity, inclusion, and culture officer for Target. So she brings just a wealth of experience and expertise with her. So what is it like 
you know, working with her at the helm? Well, for those that know Caroline, not only does Caroline Wanga come to work with you, but her and her 12,000 personalities that she has named come to work with you as well. (laughs) So it's a lot of fun. She brings the fun. She has a very, very jovial nature. So although we have a common goal, we have the goal, we're working towards it. And I almost want to say that it's what attracts people to her, right, towards her, where you almost want to know what she's going to say and do next that'll make you laugh. And that, that's why you, you want to be on the call. You want to listen, <laughs> right? You want to engage because not only is it work and the things that we have to do to move the business forward or, you know, the, the next thing, but it's almost an entertainment factor that she brings at, and the learnings, right? She, she right. brings that wealth of wealth of knowledge from her experience in diversity and inclusion. And to be honest, it's nice to be in the room with people who have common goals, right? Mm. So as the leader, uh, I mentioned we're a women-led organization and we all have the common goal. We're all mothers, right? So we have the common goal of doing what's right for our children. That, mm. that goal always binds us as one because we understand. The second goal is to do what is best for essence our employees and our, our audience and to serve black women deeply, right? Those things. So having those two goals automatically brings us closer and we want to engage with one another because, because we're headed toward, we're headed to the same destination. However, our experiences are so diverse that we are learning from one another especially with Caroline, with her diversity and inclusion background, there's a wealth of knowledge there. You know, she's like, oh, this one time this happened and this, like, she's got these stories and you're like, okay, like I could see why you would think of this another way. Like she brings that perspective. I think that's, that's what I'm looking for. She brings a different perspective to the table, which in a normal line of business or even as COO, you know, going through just trying to reach her end goal. She brings a different perspective saying, let's look at it from this angle or let's look at it from that angle. Did you know there's an organizing app designed just for families? Named a must-have mobile app on the Today Show, Cozy is an app to help families who are juggling school schedules, practices, meetings, doctor's appointments, and even helps them schedule a workout or a date night. Here's how it works. Cozy tracks everyone's schedules and events in one place with a shared color-coded calendar. Cozy even reminds others about events so you don't have to. No more missed pickups or double bookings. It's easy to get started. You can even pull in events from your family's personal work and school calendars. Cozy helps with other things on your plate too. The shared grocery list lets the whole family add items in real time, and you'll never find yourself at the store without the list. It's always on your phone and up to date. If you need help figuring out dinner, there's even a place to store recipes and plan meals ahead. The best part? It's free. Just download Cozy Family Organizer from the App Store, and that's spelled C-O-Z-I, and get the free app today. You all know I love being organized, using calendars to sync up and labels so you never drop the ball. Cozy up with Cozy to keep you and your family on track.
So we are really going through unprecedented times with COVID, but amidst all that, we had the Black Lives Matter movement that came. Mm -hmm. I think it was a breaking point. I feel like the changes and the progression that, you know, we as a society are striving for isn't there yet. So how did Essence take a stand advocating for the movement? I think even before Black Lives Matter, Essence has always been the voice, not of Black women, but for Black women and the community as a whole. And, you know, as I became more and more involved with Essence, you know, through the past almost two years, I've, I've come to realize that, yes, they do support Black women, but in that supporting of Black women and really giving Black women a platform, right? Not, not in a way that is preachy, but supportive. Supportive, we're here for you. Come to us. Tell us what you need. We will open up those pathways for you. See from in whatever capacity, you know, as a business that we can. But what I'm learning is that not only is this in the benefit of Black women, but it is in the benefit of a larger society. It's another form of messaging, right? That mm-hmm. it's not the protests that you, we saw marching, but it is a consistent message of we are here. We have been your consumer. We have been the voice. We are the CEOs of our family, of our health care, of, of, of our lives. So right. why, why, why aren't you focusing on, on us, right? And by us, I mean, you know, I'm speaking from the voice of Black women, but I don't know of any other media company or publication or even business for that matter who can say that they have this history of, you know, 51 years of being able to do this in a consistent manner and and providing not only all those pathways, but entertainment as well and celebrating in the joy. You know, I remember being young, like maybe 10, 11, and the Essence Awards were on television. Mm-hmm. And that was back when they had the Essence Awards. And I remember sitting down and watching them. And I was watching because there were a lot of Black people on TV. And you never got to see that back then. Yes. They were dressed for red carpet. And it was beautiful. I didn't know why I remember that until I started working for Essence. I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the Essence Awards. And I do remember that. Yes, yes. And speaking of the entertainment that Essence brings, can you tell us more about the Essence Festival? This year we had a sort of a, internally we were calling it a mini festival because of the pandemic and, you know, the, I guess the local rules during that time, we were unable to have an open event. So it was by invitation only mostly. And we aired virtually through 4th of July weekend. And that was a huge success. We did also have a versus battle with Keith Sweat and Bobby Brown, which was so much fun and even more fun than the battle itself was reading the comments on social media (laughs) while this thing was happening between these like two iconic performers it was just so much fun I never thought that something virtual like this year two of the pandemic would still bring our audience so much joy 
it was a feel good to me that we were able to do that. You know, even if it it was an hour or two hours, three hours of pure entertainment where somebody was able to laugh with their friends and reminisce about, you know, the good times and about the music that they love, that bought us happiness. Can you share some of the female ambassadors that you've profiled? I think our headliner for this past year was Jasmine Sullivan. Magnificent, just beautiful. She also graced our cover for our festival cover. Mm-hmm. I think, was it the July-August issue? Yes. You know, we, we've been lucky as as media company or events can go where the community just has so much talent, right? There are so many talented Black women out there. And not only does Essence provide a stage for those who are established, but it also provides a stage for those who are up and coming and, you know, here are the ones to watch out for. It's become almost a rite of passage. Like you've arrived if you've done something with (laughs) Essence or been on an Essence cover or performed at Essence Festival. Our current issue has Megan Thee Stallion on the cover. That's been exciting working with, with her that she's bought out her, a different side of her. If you've seen our cover, she looks amazing. And, you know, we've had so many celebrities through the years grace our magazine. And I think, you know, we are looking for, we're always on the lookout for, for new innovative things to do, not just with, with print in the magazine, but our events, our digital space. So we're, we're very happy with that. I think the new thing that we've ventured into is uh, Essence Studios. Mm-hmm. So Essence Studios is a streaming platform, which we have some of the, our own produced content, right? Through, we produced a movie on Amazon Prime called Sylvie's Love. We have an event called the Entrepreneur Summit. I've spoken to so many women, you know, through the events that come and say, you know, I go back and I watch some and I, it's a new learning. It's, it's almost that it's evergreen, right? Because if, if somebody is telling you how they started their business and what they learned, that might be something that you can still use three years down the line if you were starting your own business. So it, it becomes almost a, a reference piece for new entrepreneurs and especially Black women entrepreneurs. That's something we are very proud of, our support of entrepreneurs in the space. Yes, that's so great. It's important to have a support system and foundation because mm-hmm. the barriers to entry are so much greater. Do you ever feel like imposter syndrome? Because you are an Indian American and you're working for, you know, the most prominent media and publication brand for the Black community. So imposter syndrome, I feel that in my life every day for everything. <laughs> and I think that that just like something in me triggered when I became a mom, because then I'm like, am I having mom imposter syndrome? Am I a good mom? Am I pretending to be a mom? Am I a soccer mom? Am I the helicopter mom? So I have that imp- imposter syndrome with being a mom. Yeah. Right. And I think that is, although I have the confidence, it's also the lack of the confidence because there is no manual that came with the kids that I can yeah. read. Right. Or I can't reboot them if I did something wrong. Like I exactly. can, you know, reboot a computer. So <laughs> they're, especially when they get to be teenagers, they're going to remind you every day of how and when you messed up with essence. I do have imposter syndrome. And I talk to Caroline about this quite often, actually. Her encouragement has always been, it's good to have imposter syndrome because that means you are bringing your own unique perspective to the table. And that means you have a unique perspective and that allows you to be your authentic self. 
it's such an iconic brand that when I was given the opportunity, once again, when we talked about opportunity, that weighed heavily. That I mean, it's an iconic brand. Who wouldn't want to work for Essence? Who would not want to be part of this legacy? Who would I mean, as a woman, I would want to be part of a woman-led organization. I would want to work with these wonderful, talented women, whether it be Caroline Wonga or Stephanie Donovan or Corey Murray. You know, even our even our finance lead, Josie Whitman, like I want to work with all of these women because there is something to learn. Yes. There is something there. I think the best part about the team in general is we all come to the table saying, look, I don't know everything, but right. I know this. And this is the area where I'm an expert. And then the next person will say, this is the area where I'm an expert. And we're like, okay, let's come together and tie, put the two experts together and see what we can come up with. It's that collaboration. Like not everybody can bake a cake, right? Growing up, I was the one who cooked the fancy, fancy meals. And my sister was the one who made the fancy, fancy desserts. And to this day, if, if, you know, we were, we were going to have company, I'm the one cooking the fancy, fancy meals. And she's the one cooking the fancy, fancy desserts or baking the fancy, fancy desserts, because that's our expertise. Yes. That, that's our comfort zone. And that's what we're good at. But if I needed to bake a cake, she'd be the first person I call. Right. How, right. How do you bake a cake? Help me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know how to stay in your lane and excel in that. How would you want to encourage those from the South Asian community and, you know, other people of color, and then we can go even broader, but I want to start in the micro level because there is a mentality from generations past that it's us and them. And we need to erase that. You know, people like you who are in a leadership capacity are doing that where now communities are working together and the lines that were once kind of created or, or whatever it was are now melding together, you know? Mm -hmm. And so how would you encourage the past generation who may bring prejudices to the table to get rid of it? I think that the past generation, their prejudices have been based on what they've seen on TV. Yeah. What, what they've heard from other people that from are from a non-ethnic background. Yep. Right. And it also kind of stems from the idea of wanting to fit in. Right. It almost comes back to like what people do in elementary school and middle school. Right. Yeah. If you make fun of somebody, I'm going to go make fun of somebody so I could be friends with you. Yeah. And we have that in common. It's setting that co commonality between us. But obviously, that's a very immature. It's, it's not a way that our society is going to be able to move forward. What did I read somewhere? Is it by 20, 2050 that 75% of people will be of mixed race? I don't know if I have the statistic correct, but we will have to go and find that statistic because I think it's something that we all have to start preparing. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, I, I don't know if the, you know, if our previous generations will be around for that, but right. it's, it's something that they, they need to be aware of that, look, this, this is a change. This is a societal change that is coming. And whether you like it or not, you are going to be a part of it and you are going to see it. It almost creates this acceptance no matter what. <laughs> you know? and, and it's like an embracing of, you know, we have this melting pot of cultures. And I think yes. it's, it's so important because it's, 
you know, now it's in your family and it hits closer to home that way. It's so great. There's an account that I follow on Instagram called the Blindian Project. I've, yep, I follow them too. <laughs> yeah, they, and it's it's quite insightful just to read the stories and look at the pictures and see the families and, and know that it, it does exist and it's there. Yes. So it happens. And I think we all at this point know somebody who is a Blindian family. Exactly, right? exactly. Oh, I love it. Yeah, and I also feel that through education, not only are we educating our previous generations, but also our kids, right? You are what you are. We're all what we are, right? Whether I, I want to say that I, I'm Indian, I'm Gujarati, I'm from New Jersey, I'm American. I am who I am. I'm not going to be able to change any of those things because they're fact. Mm-hmm. But how you behave and how you present yourself, how you talk to the next person yeah. are things that you can control. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that you should focus on. That's one thing I always try to teach my kids is these are facts. You're not going to be able to change those. So don't try to change who you are. Focus on the things you can change or can control. Yes. Yes. I love it. Now tell us about your motherhood experience. What was it like kind of acclimating to that new role in your life? Every, I don't know if it's every woman, but I know mostly all the Indian women I've connected with always seem to think that motherhood was always expected and a natural, a natural path, a progression of life that, you know, you go to school, you get a job, you get married, you have kids, you have another kid, um, you know, mm-hmm, then you, mm-hmm. you go to, you take your kids to soccer, you make dinner. <laughs> like it's, it's all of these things that you're checking the box, right? Yeah. Yeah. I loved kids, always loved kids. I always found them entertaining, right? I loved talking to my little cousins and little nieces and nephews, all of that before I myself became a mother. I didn't really think about it until after I became a mother that did I do this because I wanted it or did I do it to check the box, Mm. right? And I realized that my life would be nothing had I not had the kids, right? So yes, I did it for myself, absolutely, purely (laughs) selfish reasons. But there were days where I'm like, did I just do this to check the box? Like, you know, those, those tough days where, you know, you got a two-year-old and one-year-old and one is has the stomach flu and the other oh one, I, I don't know, has what? And you're home alone with two kids and got to change two diapers. And, you know, all of, all of those things that frazzle you. And you think that they're so important then and there, like, you know oh my God, my kid's starting kindergarten. I have to do homework with them. Oh, you know, my first grader didn't do well on their math test or they had a spelling mistake on their math test and they got 10 points taken up. All these things that kind of go around in your head. And as my kids have gotten older, right? Lucas is 15, Laura is almost 14. Um, She turns 14 next month. I realized that the thing that they've taught me that matters the most is to be present. It's to be when they are talking, to listen to what they are saying. When you are doing something, to be present. And it could be something as simple as um, dropping Lucas off to a friend's house. We're in the car. Those are the eight minutes I get with him alone. Don't turn on the radio. Don't be on the phone. Don't be in my head doing math about something that doesn't Mm. like, that's not relevant in the moment. Right. Talk to him him for those eight minutes. Those are eight minutes that I will never get alone with him. At this moment, for this time, we're in his mindset ever again. And who knows? Maybe he will spew some golden things that I will 
hold with me, you know, for the rest of my life as well and learn something from him. Oh, that's beautiful. How has parenting shaped you, you know, as a C-suite executive? I've become kinder. I want to say being a parent has, I don't think it's lowered my expectations from what I expect from those around me, right? Or even my team from performing your job, but it's also made me kinder. Mm. And it's made me, once again, be more present, more trying to listen than talk, but just more perceptive to feedback, more understanding and just a nicer person. I think before I became a parent, I was probably not that kind. (laughs) Now that I go back and look at myself, I think being a parent has helped me put myself in other people's shoes and look at things from that perspective. Can you tell us about a mom sense moment that you've had where, you know, you just <laughs> trusted your intuition. We rely on it throughout yeah. our lives, but yeah. is it one you remember? Funny you should ask because last night I was going to pick up my son from his MMA class and I took my daughter in the car with me because she wanted to buy some chocolate. Mm-hmm. So we're in the car and like, once again, I ha- I was zoned out, right? Like I said, I'm in the car. I didn't use those five minutes efficiently. I was zoned out in my head doing my thing. Yeah. So my daughter says, mom, you're deep in deep thought. What are you thinking about? And I said, well, you know, I have this podcast tomorrow and I have these questions. And this is the one question about what is your, what is your mom's sense moment? And by that, you know, I explained to her the intuition thing. Uh She's like, She's like, this is every minute of your life. She's like, how could you pick one minute? And she looked at me like she was surprised by the question. Yeah. She said, like, when I walk in the door, like, you know that I want chicken noodle soup or, you know, that I just want like my fruit cut and nobody to talk to me or, <laughs> or you, or you know that I need my phone charged. Like, how do you know? How do you know from the minute I walk in the door what I need? And I was like, I don't know. Like, it's just, there you go. It, it comes, right? Yeah. It just comes to you. Let's not forget our quote of the day. Is there a quote that you live by? I think it really embodies what I learned from my grandfather is live each day as if you were to die tomorrow, but learn Mm. as you would live forever. Wow. So my grandfather, I remember he was in his 70s and he would still want to learn about everything, every single thing. I remember he was he was trying to get on my computer at that time. You know when you had like the startup dial tone, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you, you have to you have to do the dial up and get on AOL. Yeah. Like he, he yeah. wanted to learn that, you know, at that yeah. time. So, oh, yeah, so th- those are just things. And I think you know, if I if I look back at my family, I think most members of my family embody that the, the lively group that we are. Yes. It's now time for Mom Hall, when we share products we love. Do you have a fun product or, you know, app, anything like that, that you want to share with the audience? So I'm a total product junkie. Okay. (laughs) Um, I'm not allowed to go to Sephora by myself because I will, I will literally buy like three to $500 worth of things that I'll probably never open. You won't even, yeah. Yeah. But they yeah. look beautiful. And I have them just in case I ever need them. I have everything. 
So the few things that I've been toying around with lately are, number one, there's this new line of jewelry that came out by Mon Lu, and it's available in Nordstrom. It's amazing. It's Creole-inspired jewelry, which reflects on the creator's background. She's from Martinique, so it kind of has a lot of that Caribbean vibe. It has a little bit of Indian vibe to it and a little bit of French. So it kind of, it's, it's really, you know, it consents a true eclectic global creation. And I, I actually wish I had some to wear today for this, but it's kind of sold out because it's in all the stores at Nordstrom right now. So oh, amazing. But that's fun. Um, definitely go check that out. It's called Mon Lu. Um, you've probably seen Cardi B wearing it. So, mm-hmm. and Gwyneth Paltrow as well. And I've been obsessed, like, like for the past three weeks, obsessed with my Kylie under eye cream. I feel like with allergy season coming, right, with the fall starting, um, you know, I'm getting like circles under my eyes, which more so than normal. And I've been like slathering my Kylie eye cream under like every night, like, like putting, like just not even rubbing it in, just patting it all on. Yeah. And, taking it on, <laughs> and lastly, where can my listeners find you? Of course, as COO, I'm on LinkedIn all the time. I, I'm really good at actually responding to the messages I get there. So LinkedIn is it. I'm also on apatel at essence.com. I, I'm, I'm always available. I love to hear from people, especially those who find themselves in similar situations and just want to know, hey, what's going on? You know, or were you in this situation? But yes. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You go to these events, right? That's where you can really find me is any of the essence events. Um, yes. that, that's, that's, that's the most fun place. That is the fun place. And I encourage everybody, if you haven't been, please make your way to one, go to essence.com, find out when something is happening in, in your town, state, neighborhood, and come out and do see us. I love it. I think this was such a refreshing and insightful interview. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and sharing your insights on what it means to take a stand for an entire community. And I feel like that is, you know, truly what makes the world a more accepted and a better place. So thank you for your work. I'm blessed. There's not much more I can say than that. I'm just blessed. And thank you for having me. This has been so nice. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you gleaned some great takeaways from Avni of Essence. Tune in to other episodes with my wonderful guests on my podcast, which you can find at Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Good Pods, wherever you listen, and highlight reels on YouTube. Just search That's Total Mom Sense or my name, Kanika Chadda Gupta. You can follow me on Insta at Kanika Chadda Gupta and Twitter at Kanika Chadda. That's where I'm most active. I would love to hear from you and feel free to slide into my DMs. You can write to me at that's total mom sense at gmail.com as well. Remember, always trust your mom sense. Stay strong, super mamas. See you next time. That's total mom sense.